This is the Definitely Uncertain Podcast, brought to you by Gold Rock Capital. Each week, we look at how high net worth families can improve their lives, decisions, and investments in a deeply uncertain world. We always aim to provide practical information, even if we can't offer specific investment advice. Hi, welcome to the Definitely Uncertain Podcast by Gold Rock Capital. My name is David Ram, and I'm a partner at Gold Rock Capital, the more than 20-year-old multifamily office servicing high net worth investors in Israel and around the world. With me today is Dahlia Black, the founder and CEO of Weave Impact, an advisory firm for social impact investing in Israel. Welcome, Dahlia. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. Uh, so the topic today is social impact investing, and Dahlia, you've been a major driver for growing the growing uh, impact investment market in Israel in, in specific, uh, a category I think in the investment world has taken uh, the world by storm, actually. Um, perhaps to kickstart the uh, conversation, could you give us a bit of background on yourself and, uh, and how you got involved in impact? Sure. So thank you for inviting me this morning. Um, how did I get involved in impact? Well, first of all, on a personal note, I'm here in Tel Aviv. I've been here for 20 years and I'm originally British. Um, my background is that I was um, in corporate finance. So I first spent a number of years at a venture capital fund. And then I was vice president at the largest energy conglomerate here in Israel for 10 years. and. Um, I never asked myself about anything over and above the profit um, that we needed to deliver until I met um, a very active impact investor who told me about what he was doing and um, there was no going back. It was a real aha moment for me. And um, I decided to explore the space which was very nascent here in Israel. This is about seven years ago. But in the UK, it was very, very, very um, developed, Hmm. grown, regulation was in place. And as I began to ask people here in Israel about impact investing, the general response was, wow, like if I can use my wealth to do more, that sounds amazing. But no way of actually getting to the point of building an impact investment portfolio getting exposed to deals. And so I um, set up Weave Impact, as you mentioned, in order to take high net worth families or foundations or corporates from that place of, wow, like that idea of using my wealth to do more than just make profit um, sounds amazing and really working with them to the point of developing an impact investment portfolio. That's super interesting, uh, and it, because the different the difference between Israel and the UK, it's an interesting point. What uh, what exactly was in place in the UK that you saw, if I may ask, uh, a number of years ago that isn't was not in place, or maybe is in place today in Israel to enable investors to get involved more? So the UK government um, took a very um, bold an exciting uh, decision uh, quite a number of years ago now, where they put aside a few hundred million pounds to set up what was called big society capital. And the purpose of that capital was to develop 
and concrete and impact investing sector in the UK. And it's been remarkably successful. So um, they enabled multiple funds to be established. Still, they're establishing more funds. They enabled the retail banking sector to produce products. They really gave the whole sector a push. Mm. And on top of that, a regulation was put into place. Um, there were recognized terms in place in the UK. So very much in the UK today, impact investing is a uh, common term that you will hear bantered around um, in a whole variety of different uh, circumstances. But here in Israel and still today, there is no regulation in place. There's no specific tax um, allowances for making impact investments. Right. And the ecosystem is developing. And I personally think it's an incredible place to do impact investing, but we're definitely not where the UK is. That's, super, that's very interesting. So firstly, let's get to the definitions for a second, because obviously one of the aspects in impact seems to be uh, somewhat subjective in nature in terms of how people can define uh, a social impact versus uh, a, a different investment, which may not be. Uh, has the UK uh, versus Israel, uh, is it more standardized, that term? How do you define uh, impact in particular in the Israeli market as well? So you've touched on a very good point, David, which is there are no global standards of terms, measurement, yeah. and so on uh, for impact measurement. And Sir Ronald Cohen, who's a very, very big voice in this space, uh, which perhaps some of your listeners are already familiar with, he recently wrote a book exactly on this issue where in order for this to become a more recognized and established tool, there needs to be clearer uh, definitions, there needs to be agreed measurement uh, metrics and so on. Mm -hmm. For me, and I always say to my clients, it's very simple. If at the end of the day you have an investment which demands some sort of return, and we can talk about what that return needs to be, yeah. and demands some sort of social impact return, then for me it's an impact investment. And from there, we can talk about how and where and what level. But if you have both of those in place, you're making an impact investment. That's interesting. So as you sit uh, in between the investors and the target opportunities in the Israeli market, do you often see your investors having very different perspectives on what that definition is? So for example, uh, you work with an investor, you'll find a target, you'll make the good match and maybe you'll then go to a different investor and say, Hey, I have this amazing invest investment opportunity and impact. And like, ah, that's not, that's not really impacting my definition. Does that happen to you? Absolutely. And I'll even say that that's what makes my job um, yeah. so fun. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, before I work with any client, we go through a process of defining what their investment parameters are. And just in the same way as you would sit with a client and talk to them about their return profile, how much risk they want to take, and just add on to that the question of impact. And so when you're talking to a family, not only about, okay, you know, what risk reward profile are you looking for when you make investments, but what do you care about? What are the family's values? What do they want to see their capital go towards? then it's an extremely uh, rewarding process for both sides. And what that creates is a situation where every family has a different impact investment set of requirements. So 
um, family A uh, might care very much about the environment and therefore that is what their goal is to make sure their wealth is not creating any damage to the environment. And family B might care more about women, uh, women's uh, empowerment and therefore they want to ensure that their wealth is not going towards anything that might um, tackle that issue and perhaps make, take it one step further, which is they want to use their wealth to see that women and girls are more empowered. So you have a situation where each family has their own impact DNA, and that's what makes it such, a, such an exciting journey uh, for a family to go on. That's super interesting, yeah. I mean, you and I have worked together a little bit more in the financial inclusion aspect uh, of social impact in Israel. And that's been one of my pet peeves uh, uh, across the board. And, and I try to get clients more involved on that side. In terms of timing, uh, you mentioned, you know, when you had the uh, aha moment, as you called it, a number of years ago. Uh, why is it happening now? What's different today in the investment community? Is it a generational issue? What's actually happening? Because obviously people trying to do good is, is, is as old as time. Why is this merger of investment and social impact happening today? Um, so first of all, let's just think historically. Until about 15 years ago, I think everyone saw philanthropy and their wealth as two very separate pockets. So there was never a discussion about both. Everyone has their wealth manager dealing with their wealth. Let's see that we can make as much money as possible with our wealth. And out of that profit, let's see that we do great philanthropy and discuss our philanthropic giving with whoever's managing our philanthropic giving. And there was never a discussion between the two. And over the last 15 years, we've seen these two areas come closer to closer. And that, for me, is that beautiful place of um, the meeting between how can we use business models to ensure that we create real social impact um, and use not just our 5%, 10% that we're putting aside for philanthropy, but the 90% or 95% of our capital to also be making um, a social impact. And the reason why that journey of bringing them together has happened in the last few years is for a number of reasons. One, second generation, and I count myself, you know, and below in that, care much more about a more engaging type of social impact. So feel less connected to philanthropy as let me give you a check and, you know, go do with it as you feel right. And yes, I'll get a nice report, but I'm not, I don't have that transparency of seeing how that money was spent. Is that money coming back? Am I going to see the capital come back? Which is a very different type of using your capital to do good. So first of all, the next generation has a very different set of needs when it comes to social impact. And you can see that for anyone online, if you just search for millennials and impact investing, you'll see numerous um, figures that show very high numbers. 85% of millennials um, want to uh, do impact investing with their wealth and so on. So very, very clear numbers. And the second very uh, significant change that took place is the last couple of years where we're all in the midst of this pandemic has led people to ask the question, how can I do more? I mean, we've seen like 
crazy, uh, crazy things in the last couple of years. Yes. And it's really caused people to say, what else can I do with my wealth to ensure that these sorts of situations won't happen again? And the combination of those two has, has given impact investing a huge push forward, huge. Interesting, yeah, because obviously usually they earmarked that money to, in a more philanthropic direction. Now you're saying it's getting a bit broader, I guess, in terms of doing good, especially in these crazy, crazy times we're living in, obviously. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot if you don't mind, um, because this is super interesting. And one of my challenges that I've had on my end as an advisor to clients has been trying to identify investment opportunities okay, that uh, is objectively impactful, which has been a challenge, it sounds like, for you as well. Israel is a great place to do uh, impact in general, but more specifically, when I have clients that are based in Israel or have a passion uh, for Israel as well, uh, doing something here uh, sounds much more broadly based for my client, basically. So can you give me maybe one example? You don't have to go into as, as details you you know i'm not going to put you on the spot too much but just a general uh, example of what you think would be a good opportunity set for a, a deal a fund whatever it may be for an investor to get involved with in particular in israel that you've been that you've been involved with sure so first of all i think it's very important for everyone who's listening to know that whatever type of investing you enjoy or you prioritize or your asset allocation you can do that with an impact hat on so what does that mean if your passion is in tech, then you can do social tech. If your passion is in real estate, then you can look at impact real estate deal. If you have a large asset allocation for private equity funds, then we now have a plethora of impact related private equity funds. So whatever your um, investment appetite is, and whatever your risk reward appetite is, there is an impact deal that can match that. And I don't think that people really understand that. So. I'll even answer a question which I'm sure is coming, which is, but can I really make the same return if I'm also doing impact? Yes. And the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely hmm. yes. In fact, some people would argue that because this is an area that hasn't seen enough funding over the last few years, that there are opportunities here to do better returns than you would on other investments. So hmm. first of all, you can find great impact investments across all asset classes in Israel. And really exciting uh, deals are currently on the table. So let's just take an example. I mean, <clears throat> if people are interested at looking at tech funds, then in Israel right now, there are at least three or four social tech funds that are promising returns like any other VC funds. So we're talking like high double digits. Um, Israel focused, I mean, don't need to tell everyone on the line about the startup nation. So the whole space of social tech, environment tech, agriculture tech, food tech, these are spaces that are having like a huge growth in the last couple of years. So should you want to do private equity, then what you should be doing is speaking to David or Daniel and Darren and be saying to them, look, when you're looking for funds, I'm interested in tech, I want you to come back to me and also show me what social tech investments are out there. 
or again, if you're interested in real estate, then you can be talking to your uh, money manager and be asking them specifically for real estate opportunities that have some sort of social um, side to them. So um, I would say that there are multiple opportunities across all interests and don't be afraid to ask that question. Yeah, I, I, my personal view is that I think you mentioned real estate as an example. I think real estate is one of those areas that perhaps could be more objectively uh, measured and uh, defined as impact in general. I'll give you a quick example uh, uh, on my end, which I've been frustrated with because a lot of private equity and venture funds claim impact and measurement, uh, and then they end up doing investments which fall outside of what I personally may define as impact. One of them was involved in a uh, in a in an investment which I would classify as uh, problematic, I would say, in the financial inclusion in, in a world in Israel, in particular. Unfortunately, a lot of the venture market is geared towards markets which can have problems in financial inclusion. Um, but as long as perhaps the environmental aspects are there, they they check the box, which is can be frustrating. So when you think about um, when you think about looking at deal, sorry, looking at deals for your clients. Um, do you ensure not only a positive screen to ensure that they're getting a certain target impact, but also to make sure that the deals have a negative screen as well, meaning they're not doing certain things? Is that also an important aspect? So when looking at the world of impact investing, there's a very wide range of um, ways that you can measure a your financial return and be level of social impact return that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, David, you guys have done a session on ESG investing, which is environment, social governance, which is focused on public portfolios and just making sure that you have done a negative screen and that you're not uh, creating any harm with your investment. So, you know, we'll park that because um, people can listen to that somewhere else. So I very much focus on any type of investment outside of a public uh, portfolio. And again, it's very much depends on the investor's intentions. So we work with some investors that say to us, look, I don't care about the return. I want to see that my capital is preserved. We're very blessed. We've got more than enough capital. We want to see our capital used to create maximum impact, but still can maintain the value of that uh, portfolio. And the investment that you um, touched upon, and I'm happy to share, is um, the loan fund here in Israel, which is called Ogen, which is a great example of that. It's 1% fixed interest. It's a great um, fixed income product. Um, But you could argue that 1% is below market rate returns. But for some families, where they see that the social impact of giving loans to small and medium-sized businesses, especially as we're um, in the midst of this pandemic, is hugely impactful. And therefore, they're more than satisfied with the 1% return because the social impact they're getting on this fund is extremely high. So, Thanks for the plug. Question, sorry. Thanks for the plug. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, a lot again is not the only example. You know, yeah. I could give many more examples of that type of investment where the investor has said yeah. to themselves, "That's enough for us. 
we we don't need to make more than one two percent on this capital if we can see that the social impact here is really going to be impactful and that's what we call an impact first investment and um i can you know i can put in chat um a couple of examples of families um like that where that is their intention to use their wealth to seek maximum social impact, but just maintain the value of their wealth. And another strategy that families take, and I'll just throw it out there for people to think about, is to carve out a portion of their capital. So if, for example, there are people on the uh, who are listening to us today that are super excited by the concept of using their wealth for uh, social impact, they can begin by saying, you know what, let's take 5% of our wealth Let's put it aside and let's use that 5% for impact investment. Let's allow ourselves, um, you know, lower than below market rate returns or even let's target market rate returns. But let's make it very clear what the social impact. Uh, and that's often how my clients begin. And I'm, I'm giving a huge warning, which is it is so addictive that once you start, once you get engaged, once you feel the personal reward from not only seeing your capital um, make return, but also seeing visual social impact, going to visit a real estate project in a very low socioeconomic neighborhood and seeing the change it's making on the children and on the community around, which I've seen um, an investment in a very low socioeconomic neighborhood for my clients. And when I walk down the street and I see the change, I'm so genuinely moved it's very very rewarding and i really recommend that people yeah. um look at it is that the one uh, in haifa by any chance yeah so th this th there is one in haifa there is also now a big one in Lod. there's also down in the south there's also up in the north i mean there really um there are many opportunities uh, to get your feet wet like that. That's amazing. And I actually love that idea you mentioned, Dahlia, because, because you know, one of the conversations we've had uh, at Gold Rock has been uh, discussing what I would call more horizontal versus a vertical approach to allocation to potential impact. So, for example, a horizontal approach where everything across the allocation essentially has some level of ESG slash impact. And I find that to be very challenging especially because ESG is very, what I would call relative value, meaning as an example, ExxonMobil is one of the highest rated ESG companies in an ESG ETF because ExxonMobil is a relative value play in the oil and gas industry. So it's high up on the ESG measurement, which is kind of interesting if you think about that. So it's very relative value as opposed to absolute value. And, and in carving out an allocation for impact, I think is actually a very interesting approach as opposed to saying, I want everything you can have a, a more of a vertical approach and only want, only do a, a, a portion. I think that's really interesting. Uh, thinking about thinking about success and failure, uh, um, you know, that's also a challenge. You know, you mentioned uh, low, lower return, which has been a, which is an issue uh, that we face in Ogen or other investments. I'm sure you're involved with as well, where the return naturally is much lower, uh, and the impact can be quite meaningful. But how do you measure success and failure for your clients? And I can only assume it's quite subjective per client, but how do you how do you go about doing that? But when it comes to financial success or failure, it's like any other investment. So in the same way as you would report on um, their investment portfolio, you would report on this 
investment within that in exactly the same way. So really the question then becomes, has this been a successful social impact investment? And there, the whole subject of measuring social impact is a long and um, difficult one, which um, we won't tackle uh, now. But again, um, I would argue that impact investments are a much more engaging way um, for a family to connect to their wealth. And, um, and I would add to that, by the way, that it's a very engaging way to bring your children into mm. connecting to your wealth. And uh, we work very much with um, second generation, in particular women, where the family is beginning to give um, their daughters, in particular in this case, but perhaps we're a women's-led uh, advisory service, so perhaps uh, we have some bias. Um, and um, the, they're, they're relatively young, perhaps in their 30s, 40s, and the family is beginning to give them more and more access um, to learn how to become wealth managers. And, um, and that's a very um, intimate and um, exciting process for the family where the parents, while they're still alive, get to see their children become much more active and involved and have opinions on, on where that wealth's going. So that's a process mm. which I warmly uh, recommend. Um, and then, you know, um, what I would say is when you're looking at an impact investment, you should be asking, what is the reporting? So yeah. is the fund going to report just once a year on social impact? Are they going to be reporting twice a year? Have a look at what those reports look like and see if that's going to satisfy your needs for understanding um, what that impact looks like. And I have, failure is a difficult word, but for example, um, we had a family make an investment in what they thought was social tech. And as they saw the investment happening, they felt less connected to what the fund was investing in. So that will sometimes happen. And my, um, my advice would be that, again, when looking at an impact-focused fund, look closely at what they're investing in. Ask yourself, does this talk to the social impact that I'm looking for? So if your passion is environment, are they making climate-related investments that meet what you would want to see um, with your wealth? And I think that way you avoid that sense of disappointment when the social impact is perhaps not quite in line with what you were looking for. Yeah, that's a great tip. I mean, I, I met a couple of funds in the US, for example, one of them, packaged itself as an impact fund, but essentially what they did is they did it, any, any investment, didn't matter, and they would help their target companies kind of improve their environmental, social, and governance aspects within the corporate, but the company itself could do whatever it wanted. So it's kind of an interesting twist because when you get the report and you say, wait a second, why is this company an impact deal? Uh, it's likely it's not, uh, you know, in conclusion, I want, I wanted to give a little bit of a, a tip, um, to our, our, uh, our listeners as well, potential investors in this space, because one of the things I've always noticed in exciting, growing, uh, investment markets, whether it's impact investment, like we're talking about today or others, is that oftentimes opportunities emerge and companies are created or funds are created, like you're kind of suggesting a moment ago, that are not really are not really uh, appropriate for the asset class. 
but or there are problems in that asset in the, in the fund or the target, and investors can be taken. So, what kind of risks uh, would you uh, look out for, or what kind of would you uh, give one or two tips to a potential investor before taking that step into the investment world of impact in order to ensure their goals will be met and the targets will be met? Uh, what should they look out for? So, first of all, and this tip I would like to use to counterbalance perhaps the experience that you had with the funds that you invested in the US, either speak directly to the entrepreneur or to the partner of the fund or have your money manager do so and make sure that you feel the intention of the person. And I can promise you it will be so obvious the difference between someone who is genuinely building this company or building this fund because they want to see the impact strongly, inherently in that investment will be very, very obvious. So have a conversation. Don't be, um, be engaged. I would say that the impact investing ecosystem is very open. People really like to share. Other impact investors in Israel are very open and want to see others coming into their investments. So no question is not a good question. So again, do a reference call yourselves, I strongly recommend. Do it together with your money manager on the, on the line, but it's the best way to learn. That's the first thing. Second of all, personally, if this is your first impact investment, I would do it where you know an Israeli impact investor is already there. So a sense of co-investing, but alongside someone who you know that they are an experienced impact investor, that they've done other impact investments, because they will know to make certain demands of the um, entrepreneur or the fund that perhaps you don't know. And you'll be able to learn um, from, uh, from them um, as you progress and make more investments. Um, and the third, I would say, is look at what they're doing and ask yourself, does it fit in with the values and the DNA from an impact perspective of the family? Does this talk to uh, the family's beliefs and um, the social values of the family? And if the answer is yes, then just do it. Uh, we speak to so many people who want to get involved in impact investing and for whatever reason, struggle to make that first step, struggle to make that first investment. You don't need to carve capital out. You don't need to have a big impact investment strategy to start. You can opportunistically take a small portion of capital and make one initial investment and it will be a great way to slowly and easily break into your journey. That's some great tips, and uh, we love your passion. That's fantastic. Uh, Dahlia, thank you so much for uh, joining us. If people want to find out more about you or what you're up to, where should I point them to? Sure. They can reach out to us from uh, via the We've Impact website, or you can speak to David. I'm sure he'll be happy to put us in touch. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Definitely Uncertain Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thank you.